Now, I know there's a few of you right now kind of confused. You've, we just watched that little video. You can't work out why Tom Cruise didn't feature in any of those images. You're like, I don't get it. Where's, where's Tom Cruise? What's Mission Impossible without Tom Cruise? Well, there used to be another Mission Impossible. How many of you guys remember that Mission Yeah, a few of you are proud to admit, I watched that when it was on TV. Yes. So um, the reason we showed that little clip is because the title of my message this morning um, isn't actually Mission Impossible. I wanted to call today's message Mission Possible. Mission Possible. That's the title of this morning's message. Because whether you realize it or not, every one of us here this morning is on some kind of mission. Did you know that? Did you realize that every one of you has a mission of some sort? It's true. Think about it. Maybe some of you are here this morning and your mission, whether you've decided to make it your mission or just unbeknownst to you, it's kind of what drives you, is to get that promotion at work that you're hoping for. Maybe your mission this is to sell more cars this month than I sold last month. Maybe you're here this morning and your mission is to lose the weight that you put on over Christmas 2014. Uh, I'm still, still on that mission. I'm still determined to lose that weight. Maybe your mission as a parent here this morning is to save enough money to take the family to Disney because it's going to cost you a lot of money. Maybe it's to raise kids that one day will go to Harvard or maybe you of I, or at least a college. Maybe the mission is just to graduate high school. Maybe just not get arrested. The mission varies, doesn't it, as a parent? It kind of changes throughout your uh, middle school and teenage years. But I think all of us as parents have some kind of mission of where we hope to see our kids um, headed. You know, maybe your mission here this morning is to make the varsity team. Maybe this season you really want to make varsity. Maybe it's to get straight A's. You want to really kind of push yourself in that one subject and and bring your grades up and make straight A's. Maybe your mission this year is to grow your hair long enough that you can finally get it into that man bun. That that is the mission of some here this morning. Not me. But whether we realize it or not, whether it's intentional or not, Every one of us has some kind of mission, don't we? If you think about it now, if you think about your life and where you're at right now, there's probably a little bit of a mission that's going on that's kind of driving you. You see, here's how the dictionary defines the word mission. Listen to this. It says it's a specific task with which a person or group is charged. A specific task with which a person or group is charged. So maybe you're, you're thinking through your life right now, thinking through your stage of life where you're at, and you're thinking, you know what? When I think about it, there is kind of this mission that's been driving me in my family, in my work, in my faith, in Jesus. Whatever it may be, there's, there's kind of a bit of a mission that's driving me. And have you noticed as well that, that some people can actually be defined by their mission? Their mission is so strong within them that it it kind of defines who they are. In fact, if we're to look back through history, I can think of some people who, when you think of these people, you think of their mission because it was kind of what they were famous for. This guy here, see if you recognize this guy here. This is Sir Winston Churchill. This is one of my countrymen. So during the Second World War, now this, this is the great thing about Winston Churchill, okay? He'd already lived an amazing life. He'd already accomplished a lot of things in, in, um, as a, um, a soldier and then as a member of parliament, and he'd done a lot. But he found himself as the prime minister during the Second World War. So his mission became, became one of, of um, kind of lifting the spirits and, and raising the, the, uh, the optimism there in Great Britain during that Second World War. 
and sharing speeches and bringing leadership. And, and he kind of defined him. His mission was to help Great Britain during this time of the Second World War when Europe was under attack from the Nazis. And that was his mission. His mission kind of defined him. How about this one? We'll cross the ocean and come to your side of the, uh, the ocean here. What about this president, John F. Kennedy? Now, I know there's a lot of things he was known for and um, different things, but, but when, when I think of JFK, I think of that time in the early 60s when he stood, he said, I want to see a man on the moon by the end of this decade. And that mission kind of defined him, didn't it? That mission kind of, as we look back in the history books now, we remember that he was the president that kind of laid down the gauntlet and said, I want to see a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And what's so cool for us is that we can look back now in history and know that his mission was accomplished. That a man set foot on the moon by the end of the 60s, thanks to his challenge, that, that mission kind of defined him, didn't it? You know, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you'll know that he had a mission. This is his high school yearbook picture. Uh, so there's, here's a picture. It's always kind of difficult finding a picture of Jesus. But uh, I want to illustrate the fact that he did have a mission. When you think of Jesus, you think of his death on the cross. You think of the miracles that he performed. You think of the great teaching that he brought. But really, there was a, a specific mission that Jesus had when he walked the earth that 2,000 years ago. And he tells us what that mission was. He explains what that mission was. Um, we read about it in a story of an encounter that he had with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And in this story, we discover that Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. And in that culture, he would have been despised by the people because he would have been cheating and robbing people from their taxes. So no one likes tax collectors, but in particular, religious people, they particularly didn't like tax collectors. So this is the kind of guy that he wouldn't have been welcomed in churches. If he showed up this morning, there'd be some whispering and some looking around like, you know who that guy is? You know that? You know his story, right? People kind of look down their noses upon him, but Jesus... Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. I want to, I want to get to know you a bit. I want, to, I want to talk to you. And he goes into Zacchaeus' house, and the religious people of his day, they were, they were kind of shocked. Why would Jesus spend any time with that person? Does he not know the kind of person he is? And we don't know what conversation took place in that house, but when Zacchaeus came out, he was a changed man. He pledged to give money back. He pledged to um, give over and above what he's cheated out of people. He said, because this man, Jesus, has changed my life. And listen to how Jesus explains that encounter with, with Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, verses 9 through 10, it says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then Jesus declares his mission. He says that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what Jesus said. He said, you want to know why I'm here? It's to seek and to save those that are lost, to reach people that don't know me, to reach people that maybe society has said, oh, they don't stand a chance, that God wouldn't accept them. They're the ones I've come to reach. This was Jesus' mission. It's what defined him as a person. It's what drove him in everything that he did. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Will you make Jesus' mission your mission? Will you make his mission your mission? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, would you be willing to say, I want to make his mission my mission? 
You know, it's so cool because I prepared this message before um, I got to see the video this morning, the baptism video. I was out of this town this I was out of town this week, so I didn't get to uh, meet the baptism people before they were baptized. So I didn't get to hear their story. So I'd already prepared my message when I got to watch that video for the first time. I loved everything in it. We'll put it online later. You can watch it again. I love to hear the stories. I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing how their life and Jesus intersected and the difference that he's made in their lives and how they want to follow him and, and give their heart to him. I love hearing those stories. But this morning, I was particularly impressed by Palmer because Palmer gets it. Okay, I don't know if you caught him. He was the, um, the young man in the video who he said after getting dunked, which I thought was great, awesome, good job, Palmer. He said, after getting dunked, I'm going to come up and have a brand new life. I'll follow Jesus and I'll go to church every week and I'll help out with the kids. That's brilliant, Palmer. He understands that as a follower of Jesus, um, there's, there's that desire to want to serve and to, to lead others. And he said, as, as I'm helping out with the kids, I'm going to help them follow Jesus and make more followers of Jesus. And that will just spread the word that Jesus is here. And I'm watching this on the video and I'm like, he gets it. That's it. That is the Jesus mission right there. And Palmer has made Jesus' mission his mission. He says, I'm going to help do this. I'm going to help talk to other kids about Jesus. I want to spread that word. So this morning, I want to ask you that question. What will it take you to make Jesus' mission your mission? So I think the way we answer that is by taking a look at what Jesus' mission actually looked like. As we look at Jesus' mission, let's look at how it kind of broke down and then how we can kind of follow along. So the first thing, and I think this is great that we're talking about this this morning, the first thing that Jesus did, and this is amazing, is that he got baptized. Jesus himself got baptized. Jesus, the Son of God, walking on earth, still chose to get baptized. And actually, it was his baptism that launched his mission. His mission kicked off following his baptism. Before he did any miracles, any teaching, even before he spent the 40 days in the wilderness just getting alone with God and praying and fasting for the, the mission that he was about to undertake, even before that, he chose to go and have John the Baptist baptize him. And as we celebrate this morning, these people getting baptized, let's look back at how Jesus himself was baptized. Let's look at what happened there. We can read about it together in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. It says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son. And you bring me great joy. Now, we didn't get that this morning. We didn't get a voice from heaven. So I apologize if you were baptized this morning. You didn't get a voice from heaven. But I want to tell you the same voice is still coming from heaven for you this morning. That if God could speak to you this morning, he would say, You are my dearly beloved son. You are my dearly beloved daughter. And you bring me great joy. I honestly believe that Father God, it just fills his heart with joy to see people be baptized, to go public, to say, I love Jesus so much, I want the world to know it. And I think that fills God's heart with joy. But as we talked a little bit about this last week, about God's love for us, I think God loves every one of us so much. And here's what I want to emphasize this morning as we kind of look at Jesus' mission. Because this is a really important thing for every one of you to understand. You see, Jesus had already lived a long life. He, he was about the age of 30 years old when this happened, when he was baptized. 
But this baptism, it was the turning point in his life. In fact, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the four accounts we have of the life of Jesus. You can hear how really his story began, the miracles, the teaching, everything. It happened after that baptism. And Jesus himself, he decided to get baptized. But here's the thing I love the most about that particular verse that we just read. It says, the voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, you bring me great joy. Another, another version says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Do you know, at this point, Jesus had done nothing. No miracles, no teaching, certainly no death on the cross. And yet before Jesus does anything, God says, I love you. And I am well pleased. You bring me great joy. Before Jesus did anything. You know, I think some of us fall into this trap that if we're following Jesus and we're living our lives for God, we're doing it, we're trying to do right, we're trying to behave a certain way because we're hoping that if we do enough, if we're good enough, if, if we can do the right things, then that will kind of earn the love and the favor of God. But what God was saying here to Jesus was, look, you've done nothing and still I love you so much. And then out of that love that Jesus had, he then went and preached and taught and performed miracles. I think that's a great thing for all of us to understand as we, we decide to take on the mission of Jesus, is that we don't do it to earn the love or favor of God. Before Jesus' mission even began, God endorsed him and said, I love you so much. And he says the same to every one of us this morning. There's nothing you can do this morning that will make, you love, will make me love you more. That's how much God loves you this morning. So we don't step into mission to try and please God. We don't step into mission to try and earn that love and the favor. God already loves us immensely. And it's because we know his love that we want to share that love with others. So the first thing Jesus did was he, he, gave, he, he was um, baptized. You know something else Jesus did? He gave his life. Jesus gave his life, didn't he? So if we want to be a part of Jesus' mission, we have to give our lives. Now, I know this idea freaks some of us out. You hear a phrase like that, and, and this is kind of the picture you get in your mind. You're like, okay, so I guess that's, that's my future. If I'm going to give my life, it's a vow of chastity. It's becoming a monk, becoming a nun, whatever. You know, We kind of get a little bit scared about this idea of what does it look like to give everything, to give my life to God? And the truth is that some of us, we, we have a hard, hard time. So we're like, I'm not sure if I want to give God everything because I'm not sure if I can be that. But I don't think that's what it means to give our lives. Let me explain it this way. Um, from time to time, I will uh, buy treats for my kids, buy candy, that kind of thing. Emma uh, particularly enjoys it when we buy her some chocolate or some Skittles or something like that. So uh, what I'll do is I'll get her a little treat. And then uh, when she opens it, I'll be like, hey, can I have one? <sighs> She's like, seriously? I was like, come on, <laughs> just give me. So then rather than just give me as many as I want, like if it's a bag of Skittles, I get one. <laughs> Maybe two. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I need more than that. She's like, ah. And everything in me wants to explain that all the candy is mine, that I bought the candy. That's my candy that you're eating. You wouldn't have any candy if it wasn't for me. Now, I know this illustration isn't ideal this week, because if you were here last week, you'll remember that I shared a story about my candy that I get in England when I'm home, and I bring back, and I don't share with any of my kids. Um, 
that's obviously completely different because it's English candy. And if you've eaten English candy, you'd understand. You don't share English candy, okay? But um, I did share that story. I shared how I had a secret stash in a tin um, that my kids didn't know about. And I uh, went away this week for a little trip. And I got back yesterday and I made myself a cup of tea. And I reached into the tin for a little treat. And the tin was empty. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't completely empty. There was a note in the tin from Will, my middle son, and it said, think about what you preach about. And he signed it. <laughs> he signed it, the boss. So <laughs> fortunately, he was tricking me, and he'd just hidden it somewhere else. And that's why he's here today and not grounded. So. But the truth is, you know, when you think about it as parents, and maybe you have the same thing, you buy your kids a treat, you buy them some candy, and then you ask them to share, and they just begrudgingly give you a tiny corner of chocolate or a little bit. I think it's because when you see that I see in myself, I see what in that moment, the same side of human nature that I see in myself when it comes to surrendering my life to God. I give him a little. I have a hard time giving him a lot, even though I have it all because of him. Because I'm fearful. What If I give you everything, God, what will that do to my life? Will I lose control? I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to give you every part of my life. So what does it look like to give our lives to God? I think it's actually quite simple. I think of it this way. It's, it's moving from the slice of the pie to the whole pie. It's moving from the slice of the pie to the whole pie. Here's what I mean by that. For many of us, we're happy to give God a slice, aren't we? We're happy to give God a little bit of our lives. We'll give him some time on a Sunday, but maybe not so much during the week. Maybe on a Sunday we'll put some money in the offering, but the idea of giving God permission to kind of lead us in our finances and guide us in that area, I'm not so sure about that. Maybe I'll just do a little bit on Sunday. That love and forgiveness, God, I'm willing to do that. There are some people I'm really willing to love and forgive, but not everyone. If you knew this person, you'd know that I can't do that. Maybe it's striving to live as a Jesus follower amongst family or church friends, but living and behaving a lot differently at work or at school. That's what a slice of the pie looks like. The whole pie is giving your, giving your life to him. It's allowing him access to every area of your life. Not just that hour or two on a Sunday morning saying, God, I want to be aware of your presence in my life Monday through Saturday. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, I want to experience you. I want you to be a part of everything I do throughout the day. Paul wrote this in Colossians 1.10. He said, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. He's talking about the idea that God should be a part of every part of our life. You see, here's the thing. When I ask my kids for some of their candy, it's not my desire to take it all. It's not actually my desire to eat all of it because I enjoy giving them treats. I enjoy watching them eat those treats. I'm looking forward to being a grandparent when that's all I'll do. Just give my grandkids treats, just unending. That's what grandparents do, right? They just keep giving us. You see, God has given us wonderful lives and families and jobs and a community to, to live in. And I believe he truly desires or he truly delights in seeing us enjoy all of this. He doesn't want to take it from us. He loves, but he just wants to, he wants to be a part of it. He wants us to be aware of him in that. That as we live our lives, we're aware of his presence. 
that we're looking for him in, in every area of our lives, the whole pie, not just that Sunday slice. So that's the second part of Jesus' mission. He gave his life for us. He gave his whole life for us. In fact, there's a verse in 1 John 3, 16. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Jesus gave his life for us. If we want to be part of his mission, we've got to say, Jesus, I want to give my life for you. I want to serve you. I want you to be a part of every part of my life. Here's the last part of the Jesus mission. Will you reach those that he would reach? Will you choose, will you make that commitment to reach those who he would reach? You know, when we launched Connect Church here in Washington, it wasn't because we believed that there weren't uh, enough churches here in Washington. There are some great churches here in Washington. It wasn't that we believed that the churches here weren't that good and we needed a better one. I think there are some amazing churches. I'm friends with some of the pastors here in town that are doing a wonderful job. Now, do you want to know why we felt that God was leading Casey and I to launch Connect Church here in Washington? It was because we understood what studies and experience have shown, and that is that new churches reach new people. We learned this as we were preparing to plant Connect Church from, from other church planters and organizations that worked with church planters, and, and they said that new churches reach new people, and we saw that happen. We saw that happen here at Connect as people came to discover Jesus who had no previous faith or no church experience. But since we started three years ago, have come to find a, a relationship with Jesus, have made this their church home. And we're thrilled that we've seen that happen. And we still find more people coming on a regular basis looking to learn more about Jesus. Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and maybe you grew up going to church, but it's been a long time since you've been. Or maybe this is all brand new to you and you're kind of freaked out. This, this baptizing stuff and the lights and the drums, you're like, okay, this is not what I was expecting. But there's something that's kind of tugging on your heart that you really believe, man, I think there is something to this. I want to check this out more. I want to learn more about this because my friend that invited me or my family member that loves Jesus, I see the change in their lives. And I want to experience that for myself. You know, if that's you, we are thrilled that you're here because all of this, all of this here this morning is for you. It's for you. The people who got here early to set it up, the guys in the parking lot who helped you find your space, the people who greeted you in the foyer, gave you a cup of coffee and a donut, the amazing volunteers who are teaching your kids right now down the hall and outside there telling your kids how much God loves them. All of that is for you. We invest into people who have already made a decision to follow Jesus, and we love seeing them grow in their relationship. But ultimately, our vision as a church hasn't changed since day one, and that is to reach people who don't yet know Jesus. It's partnering with Jesus to say that we want to seek and save those that are lost. In fact, we believe in this so much that we've actually even helped plant some other churches around the United States and around the world because we believe that those new churches will reach new people in their communities. We've got some plans for later this year to plant some more churches. We're going to tell you about that, how you can help us get more churches planted to reach more people because that is our mission, to help partner with Jesus to seek and save those who are lost. But this has to be more than just Connect's mission. It has to be more than even just Jesus' mission. It has to be our mission. 
It has to be our mission to reach those that he would reach. You know, back in the uh, late 1800s, there was a man lived by the name uh, lived in England by the name of William Booth. Now, some of you may have heard of him. He's the guy that actually started the Salvation Army. And um, you can find this online if you search William Booth's A Vision for the Lost. He has this, this vision one day of reaching people that are far from Jesus. He was traveling on a tra- train. He was just kind of thinking and praying. And he had the, kind of this picture in his mind. And it was this ocean, and people were in this ocean, and they were, they were drowning. They were crying out for help. He said his heart was heavy seeing all these men, women, and children who were, whose lives were being taken in this, this, this ocean. And then suddenly he sees this platform. And he sees that this platform is, is kind of built around this big rock, and, and people are getting out of the ocean onto the platform. He said it filled my heart with so much joy to see people being rescued as they were climbing up onto the platform. And to know that their lives had been saved as they climbed up onto this platform. Then he said, I was watching and I could see people who were already on the platform reaching back into the ocean to rescue others. Coming up with creative ways to somehow rescue those that were still in the ocean. He said there were some who were so filled with with passion and, and wanted to, that they were jumping into the ocean. They were putting their own lives at risk to try and rescue more and bring them back. He said he was so encouraged to see that happen. But then he said that that moment passed and I was then discouraged because I saw that others were just kind of stood on the platform, just kind of talking to one another, getting to know one another, investigating this platform. Some were actually climbing the rock to get further away from the ocean because they didn't like what the ocean represented and they felt that the further they could get from it, the safer they would be. And in this vision he, he shared, and it really kind of inspired him in, in starting the Salvation Army, I want to be somebody who rescues the lost, who rescues those who are dying. That was Jesus' mission. He said, I don't, I, just, I don't want to just be somebody who rescues. I want to help others. I want to come up with ways, creative ways to reach those people. I don't want to be somebody who, who climbs away from them to comfort and safety. I want to be there reaching those that are far from Jesus. William Booth's vision for the lost is Jesus' mission. It's our mission here at Connect Church. I pray that it'll become your mission. So this is your mission, should you choose to accept it. To get baptized, to give your life, to reach those that he would reach. You know, as I was preparing this message this morning, it was with the understanding that later on this year, we're going to have another baptism service. And I'm excited about that because that means that more people will come up onto this platform and say, I love Jesus so much that I want to go public. I want to go down into this tank. But I thought, you know what's really exciting? Is knowing that some of those people who are going to get baptized later this year, they may not even be here yet. They may be your friends, your neighbors, someone you're praying for. Someone who you desperately want to see God as a part of their lives. Someone you may already be talking to about Jesus. Someone you may have invited to connect. Maybe it's someone who's here this morning, who's still kind of thinking, I'm not so sure about this. But man, when those people were being baptized this morning, when I saw that video, something stirred inside of me. That's Jesus tugging at your heart. That's his mission. It was his mission with Zacchaeus, and it's still his mission today to seek and to save those who don't yet know him. But he can't do it alone. 
He needs us to partner with him in his mission, to make that mission possible. So I want to challenge you this morning. Don't climb up to the safety of the rock. Don't forget maybe the ocean that you yourself were once in, that you yourself were rescued from. There are others that still need rescuing. And it's up to us to partner with Jesus in his mission to rescue those that don't yet know him. So let's pray, shall we? Father, these are my favorite services. I love baptism services. I love hearing the stories. I love seeing you at work in the lives of people. I love how it takes us right back to the heart of our mission as a church, to connect our community to Christ, to reach people who don't yet know him. Every time we have a baptism service, I think of the dozens of people who have already been baptized. I I replay their stories in my mind. I think about them and the way you've changed their lives. And I'm so thrilled, Lord, to see you at work in people's lives. But help us as a church community this morning. Help us who, on a regular basis, call Connect Church our home. Help us not to forget that mission. Help us not to get so comfortable. Lord, we want to grow. We want to learn more about you. We want to be a part of community, Lord, where we grow. And that's, that's awesome. But help us not to do it at the expense of reaching those who still don't know you. Help us to partner with you, Jesus, in your mission to reach those in our lives. There are people that only we can reach because of our connection in the neighborhood, in the family, in the workplace, wherever it may be, the school. Help us reach those who still don't yet know you and make your mission our mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.